0: This is Ken Forster, Executive Director of Momentum. Welcome to our Digital Industry Leadership Podcast, produced by, for, and about digital industry leaders. In this series of conversations, we capture insights from the best and brightest minds in digital industry. They're executives, entrepreneurs, advisors, and other thought leaders. What they have in common is like our team at Momentum, they are deep industry practitioners. We hope you find these podcasts informative as always. We welcome your comments and suggestions. Good day and welcome to edition 134 of our Digital Industry Leadership Series. Today, I'm pleased to host Scott Everett, co-founder and CEO of Eigen Innovations, providing advanced vision solutions for manufacturing. Eigen is also one of Momenta's early venture investments. Scott has dedicated his entire career to solving complex engineering and quality control problems in manufacturing. He co-founded Eigen Innovations in 2012 to bring state-of-the-art technology to the factory floor, specializing in advanced industrial vision and machine learning. Based in Fredericton, New Brunswick, Canada, Scott spends his time working with the product development team to evolve Eigen's AI-enabled solutions, as well as pitching the solution to tier one manufacturers around the globe. He's also in the process of completing his PhD studies in mechanical engineering. Scott, welcome to our digital industry leadership podcast.
1: Thanks so much, Ken. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: And it is a uh, pleasure to have you. I know I say this because I listen to myself on these podcasts and it's always like we should have done this a long time ago. But (laughs) in your case, given that I think you were like our second or third investment, I'm not sure what took so long. I know we did a blog (laughs) a while ago. but to, to finally get down and have a really good conversation around uh, manufacturing is a uh, well overdue. So I always like to start a little bit understanding your own, uh, digital industry, uh, journey, if you will. Um, what would you consider to be the red thread through your leadership journey?
1: Yeah, it's kind of fortuitous, I think in a way. And, um, you know, I know a lot of startups when they, the first idea that they begin with, they pivot a bunch of times until they they figure stuff out. But when I when I look at where we started, the idea for Eigen started at uh, university, um, with myself and my supervising professor, uh, Dr. Ricky Dubay. And so, we were researching advanced controls um, and working with a number of industrial companies largely in the plastic space, injection molding. Um, and at that time, I was starting to learn about machine learning and, you know, data was, you know, the, the accessibility of data from all of these processes was becoming more and more digital, obviously. So we were just observing on a frequent basis the fact that you would walk into these factories that have a lot of advanced automation but they were still controlling and tweaking and tuning based upon intuition. And the amount of data that was readily available and accessible to help inform those decisions uh, just wasn't there, right? And so, it's interesting because this was pre-IoT, pre-AI. Uh, we said there just has to be a better way. And so, without fail, it seems every time we engage with customers, that's still a pretty real challenge. So. It just keeps me coming back to the fact that um, manufacturing problems are very complex, and to be able to use information and data, uh, it takes a really robust solution. You know, to, to put something in the hands of the factory floor that's really going to be useful and, and beneficial to them. So, I think that's what I'm most passionate about: is how do you take? There's a lot of great hype, or you know, or technology that's hyped, but um, how do we get it? into a practical state and really have it impact and disrupt what manufacturing I think can become.
0: You've uh, been at this for almost a decade since the uh, <laughs> founding of Eigen Innovations. I only say that cuz you know Momentum was founded in 2012 so we're starting to talk about the decade, right? Right. But what i think you said it well a moment ago and in some sense you're blessed in the sense that you are have spent pretty much your whole professional career on this you know very complex and and difficult problem and thus the founding of uh, eigen in uh, in 2012 when you guys founded it what problem were you trying to solve and really for whom
1: yeah so when it boils right down to it the, the the real problem that we saw was the gap between quality control and process engineering And so over the years we've built um, you know an industrial vision platform that's specifically and uniquely built to close that gap and even today process engineering and quality control are are, are two very separate or at least, Autonomous entities within an organization focused on different parts of the problem. Quality control is really often focused on mitigating and managing the risk of quality after the product leaves the factory and, you know, preventing anything that happens within factory from getting out. And so we're really trying to flip that equation where, you know, you're using quality control information to actually control and optimize the process rather than just applying quality control to a process after the fact. Right. And, you know, in, automotive manufacturing, what we see a lot of is um, quality tests and the, and the type of testing that's required is usually at the end of the line. It's offline. Typically, you're sampling a few parts in the run of the day. Uh, in some cases, you have to actually destruct all of that product. So, it's very costly. It's very low resolution from you know a sampling perspective. And so the information to feedback in real time upstream is just not accessible. So that's where we've been using vision systems and and really all of the data uh, of the process itself, basically to contextualize the problem so that you can you know start to create the predict predictability uh, about what's going to happen based upon what you're facing in the factory at any given moment
0: maybe to describe the concept a little bit more, tell us about some of your key use cases and wins.
1: Yeah. And look, that's been part of the, you know, the fun of the journey, I guess for us, our wins are related to our, our customer wins. And I think obviously uh, everybody in the field of, of machine learning is in the IOT space is uh, very aware and familiar with, um, pilot purgatory. So when, as you evolve and get to a place where you're actually breaking out of that and creating scenarios where the technology is saving real money and having a real impact on the business, you know, for us, those things have often uh, really kind of taken shape in changing the whole quality assurance process. So I mentioned destructive testing. We do a lot of work on safety critical components, um, plastic welding is is a is a good example of the process. And and like I said, that information about quality, there's a very strict control plan that's determined between the Tier One and the OEMs, their customers. It's all based upon destructive testing and sampling, and so. What we've actually been able to start to do is completely disrupt uh, the nature of, of how quality control is done and eliminate a lot of the, the costly uh, expense. So what, we're, what we end up with is a, a scenario and a solution that's actually measuring and predicting the quality of every single part. So you're not just sampling parts or products. And when you create that traceability across every single part, not just a few that you've sampled at the run of the day, um, not only are you reducing the cost of the destructive testing, but you're creating this really rich set of data that just helps you uh, resolve any issues quickly. It helps you understand changes as they happen, keeps people informed. So, you know, when we really broke through and started to see those solutions that were bringing that real value and then starting to scale through the organizations that was in the last even couple years like that's been a really exciting time and i think that's what the industry needs more really disruptive use cases not just incremental improvements on what they're already doing
0: as I recall, some of the uh, use cases over the last couple of years, um, yeah, there's been both some on the process side, uh, process manufacturing and discrete. The process one I thought was interesting because, as I remember, you guys were detecting early defects in large paper rolls as they were being manufactured, and and on the discrete things like uh, you know uh, checking the the quality of uh, defrosting uh, in a uh, in an automobile coming off the yeah. assembly line, right? Things like yeah. that, where uh, both uh, vision and especially infrared vision came in to really create a whole new, um, uh, let's say, view of the of the process. You know, I, I was joking earlier about our, our near-decade experience here, but I recall you standing on a stage at what was the first IoT World Conference. Remember this little <laughs> tiny locale yeah. we had in Palo Alto, and I think it was, you know, like a couple hundred people at this thing yeah. uh, in 2014. But I remember you promoting manufacturing analytics using using vision. And, you know, while so much has happened, you mentioned AI and IoT since then, it seems that we're still pretty nascent in using vision to analyze and improve manufacturing. Why uh, Why do you think this is?
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, surprise to me in a way that it's it's taking, taking longer. There's a lot of factors. Uh, what we learned from Boots on the Ground experience when we first really started developing product is that a lot of the infrastructure just didn't exist for – a true vision platform at the time. Uh, so we spent a lot of time actually creating the capabilities of <clears throat> capturing really unique data sources using vision systems. You talk about uh, thermal imaging, uh, that's a sensor that we've, you know, we've got, you know, some of the, I would say, probably the world-class uh, experience in using infrared technology for process control. And it took time to really, uh, you know, kind of build everything around the solution, the integration uh, to the OT platforms. But more importantly, I think one of the big things with with vision system data that people might not realize, it's it's the fact that we're really getting into a world now with vision systems where we're trying to make subjective decisions. You know, talk about closing this gap between process and quality. It's one thing to just detect a very known defect in manufacturing, but it's another thing to interpret uh, a quality variation that's kind of on that boundary. And the context of how human operators uh, make those types of decisions, it's very nuanced, right? And so what, what we found that became really essential to take vision systems to that next level is, A, you've got to collect the right data. Um, so we use a, a blend of sensors, uh, cameras, but then also the sensor technology. And then you got to create the flexibility to be able to respond to, you know, what the factory needs at a given point in time. Right. And so, I think it's very look we get a lot of questions of you know how many training examples does it take and how long does it take to the world of OT is still very much used to automation technology where it's a set it and forget it and I think when we when we see the truly disruptive use cases it's how do we go from just that um, you know, static system to something that's actually interpreting and adapting, and and that's a whole different paradigm shift, right? So I think it's technology driven, but it's also the cultural shift of of having, um, you know, the the team understand what it's actually needing to get out of the system, um, and and so that's been part of that whole process of combining those things to create an integrated solution where. Um, you know, the, the data is highly relevant and it's but it's making decisions that have high value.
0: What I um, Thought was also very interesting about your um, solution at the time is I think what you used to call your Pinterest display, yeah. but think about it this way: providing a whole bunch of snapshots of the current process to an operator who effectively is training the system by uh, by acknowledging which ones are acceptable versus you know uh, potentially challenging um, conditions of the process, right? And and the the way that you did that training and then used that to augment the automation systems that were there, I thought was brilliant, and we viewed used as a, as a pattern for looking at other uh, similar companies that you have, you know, kind of the same thing, like, you know, operator-led cloud training that effectively runs on the edge right near the, you know, the camera in your case or the sensor, right? And yeah. uh, and I, th- I think that model is qu- particularly brilliant, but I love the way you guys d- displayed it. And you, I think you still <laughs> coined the term
1: Pinterest display. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, and, and here's what's interesting. I mean, you talk about the cultural adoption uh, factors at play with OT. So, you know, we built a cloud platform and, and had some of those experiences. Um, but it's really hard to, to get people to adopt a completely new pattern in their work world, right? Um, and so we actually had to take that experience and put it in, in line with what their typical pattern would be in the factory right so we actually created um hmi experiences that are right on the machine for that same paradigm where it's like we're showing a highly visual representation of what's going on and we're immediately trying to capture their feedback so if you want to be very effective i think in in adapting the system you've got to capture people's attention you got to make you know there's uh Obvious, attractive, easy, satisfying—that's sort of my motto based upon a, a book by James Clear. But make what you want them to engage with obvious. They've got to have a satisfying experience in terms of giving their feedback. Um, and if it's if that whole thing is is right there in their world, they make the decision quickly. That's really how I what we found is important to get good quality feedback, which we know is so important for good quality uh, machine learning and AI. Yeah, you know this conversation actually,
0: you know, kind of triggers a, an, another thought relative to kind of ITOT. Uh, I was on a um, uh, a conference panel not that long ago where uh, I had an analyst next to us, kind of bemoaning that uh, the industrial IT had had not met the expectations because they hadn't hit fifty billion devices, right? <laughs> and uh, um, having come from OTI, I was already cringing at the at the at the point, but you know. I think a lot of analysts uh, think that for some reason the industrial IoT has, you know, has has not lived up to expectations in terms of adoption. You know, where do you think that mismatch might be?
1: Yeah, I mean, we're fortunate in in I would say the place that we're at now. I mean, there's always that question mark of. Uh, you know, how do you force adoption faster? And honestly, we're kind of not too fussed about the IT OT divide. Um, what we found is most important, really the gap, like I mentioned earlier, is between the uh, process engineer, process engineering teams versus the quality teams. Process engineering is very, focused on reacting to whatever the the main fire of the day is quality engineering they're the ones that are looking at the stats and the data of quality and how it's changing over time and when you can get those two teams working together um, you know we just saw this huge change and shift in the adoption rate and and sort of the cultural perception of what we were trying to accomplish when quality became engaged and then once you know, once all of a sudden you've got, um, process engineering and quality assurance, they're all teamed up. It becomes their new way that they actually manage quality and manage their process. Then it forces the need for all of the connectivity because it's just such an efficient way to manage and and solve those problems. So I guess, yeah, our, our view on it is the gap is, is largely in, in connecting, um, you know, those people. And I, (laughs) Look, I have a lot of perspectives on uh, data analytics. You mentioned, you know, my vision in 2014. I think we've been really good at, or we've been really focused in IoT at digitization of the data, but we're not really as focused on digitization of knowledge. And there's a there's a big difference because if you want to motivate action and you want to drive adoption and you want people to be making data-driven decisions, you've got to tell a story, right? And so it's that's why I go back to that contextualization and why that's so important. You've got to create um, the type of Consolidation of the information and have it be very contextualized to the to the fire or the problem that they're facing, and presented in a way. I, I like to think of it more as creating a data narrative, not just data analytics. If you tell the story of this is what's happening and why, and here's what's going to happen if this keeps on, um, and make it a very simple uh, story to understand, people will really start to to use that information in different ways. So I think we're just at the beginning stages of of thinking thinking about you know digitized knowledge versus just digitized information
0: it was a Thingworks uh, who coined the term way back when uh, people, systems, and things, right? And yeah. describing what the IoT truly was or the industrial IoT. And um, I know we often talk about the people element, but it's those systems that sometimes I think we don't pay as much attention to. And those are certainly not just the automation systems, but, you know, just the the workflow, as you say, kind of cultures, if you will, right? And, uh, and you know, work rules and also uh, it's kind of interesting to see that that still represents and it's kind of the the uh, challenge to bring all those together. You know, speaking of um, of challenges, uh, at the time we're recording this, it looks really good that we are finally, um, hopefully, powering through the uh, you know, the third wave of um, of COVID here, and uh, certainly helped by the uh, you know vaccines um, and uh, and probably just the move to you know warmer climate again. But um, what uh, what what impact have you seen on this on? The areas you operate in, and and I guess you're kind of going forward. You know, do you think it we've
1: called it a great digital accelerator? Are you seeing the same thing on your side? Oh, without a doubt. Yeah, I mean the the automotive sector, which is where we've been primarily focused in the last little while, it was it was hit pretty immediately, and and we just saw um, plants turned down just in the unknowns of everything that was happening, but. Um, at the same time, there was, I think, opportunities for people to take a step back and think about, all right, how do we reorient ourselves? We've had uh, some very, very old factories that uh, you would think wouldn't really be on the forefront of of the digital revolution. But they said, look, we've got to basically take this 100-year-old factory and be able to operate it remotely, right? So. Um, It definitely changed the attention and the urgency, I think, that was uh, being placed within the organization on the types of uh, use cases and applications that we're developing. We're seeing a lot more... (sighs) the actual, uh, infrastructure of these organizations now have the type of titles and roles that are specifically focused on, on what the new wave of manufacturing is going to look like. So that's all just compiled to, uh, a real acceleration and, uh, not even what would probably take months in terms of just getting the stakeholders organized within an organization seems to be happening much faster. So, yeah. Yeah. I think it
0: goes back to what you um, astutely said earlier, digitization of knowledge, right? And and especially we talk about the uh, challenge with, you know, knowledge workers leaving and certainly COVID has, has uh, probably accelerated even that a little bit. Um, and how do the organizations retain that uh, that knowledge? And uh, and I, I know of, you know several companies really trying to uh, to focus on that. But clearly, industrial IoT in many different ways, as you said, you know, it's not just about the data itself or the sensors, but you know the uh, the knowledge that goes with how to utilize those to um, you know affect a, a greater process. So, mm-hmm. um because you've talked a lot about industrial vision, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit and ask you to put on your industrial vision uh, goggles. Mm-hmm. So what do you see for the next five years in digital
1: manufacturing? Yeah, I I really do think the, uh, the challenge with the way IoT is rolled out, we've created a lot of Smart systems. There's an article that I, w- I was reading a little while ago that was talking about smart systems are capturing data and just sort of uh, reporting the news back, but it's created all of these different silos, right? And if we want a truly intelligent system, you know, in our field, we're we're really interested in the progression of what we would call transfer learning. So, how do you take? what you've, that digitized knowledge that some machine learning and a team has accomplished on one machine, and then be able to replicate that within a fraction of the time and the effort for the next machine and the next machine, so that your investment in an application within an organization has a compounding and scale effect, right? And so, pulling down the walls, creating more integration in the processes uh, between you know the process quality um, divide. You know it's quality controlled, not a quality control anymore. So, uh, I think that's just going to lead to a lot of really interesting options around the flexibility of manufacturing. The automotive industry has always been interesting because they've got these refresh cycles on all of their vehicles. So they're they're constantly retooling and redesigning. And I, I you know, I'm really excited about the fact that these high resolution streams of data such as vision systems and video analytics like some of some of our applications are actually short video clips of every single part that we're pulling out information from, tearing down the walls across the you know the stack to be able to create a lot better contextualization of all of this information because I think that's really what's going to allow for that scalability. Um, what you learn on one application can only be applied to the other if you're able to, accurately evaluate and measure all of the the differences between the context from one machine to the next even if they're very very similar um and ultimately in the long run ken i i'm really excited about what i think is going to become more distributed manufacturing with this with digitized knowledge um you can apply that wherever right and so it creates for a whole new potential in terms of how factories are oriented and uh, how we even think about designing factories. And, you know, are we going to be capable of manufacturing in more local settings to the market rather than having to ship product all over the world, those types of things?
0: Yeah, especially uh, going back to kind of the, one of the impacts of COVID that we've seen, onshoring of manufacturing has been uh, certainly in the U.S. a a big topic as of as of late, and we just featured um, uh, on our last podcast uh, uh, Hans uh, Hansdahl, who um, is was really kind of focused on that topic as uh, as mm-hmm. well. Um, so. Eigen was Momenta Ventures' first investment in a Canadian company. And uh, as a Canadian entrepreneur, I I suspect you're a believer what a great place it is to do business. What (laughs) makes Canada such a great place for startups?
1: We have really cold winters and I think that builds in a, a natural resilience.
0: <laughs> you know, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but this is, I remember at one point in my life, I interviewed at Microsoft up in Redmond, Washington, and they told me the same thing. It rains here all the time. So it's a better place to code.
1: <laughs> yeah. If that's one thing I've learned, you gotta have, you gotta have grit. You really got to dig in and, and hold on. Um, you know, and so, honestly, it's, it's been really interesting. I, I've just always appreciated the fact that, um, there's a lot of really brilliant individuals coming from, you know, rural Canada. I'm a, I'm from a, uh, a farming family, actually eight generations. And, and I just love the opportunity to be able to take, you know, my love of machines. I was obsessed with tractors when I was a kid and, and, you know, see the the connection from those very basic things that I was always so passionate about and, and to be able to create a company, um, that's very high tech. And I, uh, I, there's been, just a really great lineage especially in the field of machine learning and artificial intelligence throughout Canada and the research institutions and so there's a lot of resources and networks here that have been really uh, foundational uh, and just helping us along right I honestly in the early days it was just having people who had been in the field of artificial intelligence long enough um to, to believe in us and just say, no, you're actually not crazy. Like everybody else probably thinks that you are, but you know, there, there's huge opportunity here. So yeah, that, that culture and and that support has really helped us along our way.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. And we've since invested in a number of other Canadian companies and we've heard uh, pretty much the same thing. It's just a great ecosystem uh, to support uh, startups in there. <laughs> And, uh, and so, um, I guess, given your success and, uh, uh, you know, beyond uh, recommending somebody move to a cold, cold climate, <laughs> <laughs> what advice would you offer to a- a- aspiring entrepreneurs?
1: I think, for me, um, the cliche things that, that everybody talks about are are very true. Uh, I believe that, number one, you've got to surround yourself with good people. So, finding mentors who are there for you and, and not just you know, people that are actually investing time uh, into you and, and into your journey is really important. And I think one of the most important things that, that my mentor network helped me in the early days was to figure out how to build a really great team. So culture, I just I can't talk enough I guess about the value of team culture and being deliberate about that culture, um, and then what happens when you start to see a team t- come together. I think that's one of the things that, that is interesting about startups in the IoT space is we've had the agility to build what I think is probably a good template for the factory of the future. Um, you know, we've, we've got this blend of ITOT, process quality, machine learning, all in, you know, these these highly effective teams. And it's pretty pretty incredible to see the types of solutions that they can tackle and what they can take on. I think the the third thing, um, you really you really can't get around the fact that you need to wrestle with the fundamentals of your business, right? You can't it's it's you can hire people to come in and give you a perspective where you can you can lean on people, but you you still need to wrestle with it for yourself. And so there's an element of not getting caught up too much in the hype of startup world and protecting your time and attention so that you're you're focusing on those deep problems, be it technical, culture, uh, customer, market-related, right? Like, I, I think that's you can waste a lot of time, and I think it is really important as an entrepreneur to to recognize that the deep work and the focused thought that you can put in is is as important as. Um, you know, all the busy activity that's pretty easy to get wrapped up in sometimes. That's what I've
0: always loved about being in startups or, uh, you know, being in young companies is, uh, as they say, you're, you're close to the metal, their <laughs> yeah. metal in some sense. And there, there just isn't a lot of time to waste a lot of cycles. Otherwise you will find yourself, you know, back at a corporate or, you know, doing something else. So it's, uh, it, it keeps you real. And uh, literally, you know, if you're not waking up every day thinking like, you know, oh, 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 gosh, how am I going to make a payroll this week? <laughs> then, then you're probably not uh, not as, uh, as as close to the metal as you, as you may, may need That's to right. be, right? So, yeah, it, uh, it, it, as you said, I think earlier, you used the word uh, grit, if I remember right. So, <laughs> yep. it requires a healthy dose of that with a capital G. So, For sure. um, finally, you know, a question I always like to ask, you know, generally, what, what inspires you? and think, you know, speakers, books, you know, uh, video series, whatever the case may be.
1: Yeah, I, I've i been really fascinated lately with <clears throat> creative, like truly prolific creative people. One of my favorite shows, I guess, has been Chef's Table on Netflix lately, just because you get to hear these stories of, of people. And I think it's the grit factor that's inspiring, but um, I've come to just – appreciate the fact that truly creative individuals are very disciplined right like going back to that you just got to put in the cycles like they're they they consciously shape their lives and their worlds and their environments so that they can maintain a high level of focus and discipline on just honing their craft and when i think about engineering i i I really don't see much separation in that it's it can be such a rewarding and creative process to come up with a solution for a complex problem. And, and really that's just a function of, of staying focused and, and putting in those reps. So it just always impresses me, I guess, to see people from all these different domains and, and that common thread that seems to really be the, you know, the underpinning of their success.
0: And clearly yours as uh, as well um, for for almost a decade.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, so, hopefully. So, uh, I I think this journey's it's got a lot of legs. Obviously, we've been through so many of the different cycles, but the the technology and everything that's that's changing so fast is just opening up these, I think, whole new ways to think about the way that we've done manufacturing in particular. So
0: it's yeah, a journey. You know,
1: I'm. I want to stay on for a while
0: well yeah and 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 if anything i
1: think you guys are
0: hitting truly a good uh you know good velocity in that regard you know the things i remember you know back when we were first talking the Things you had to do full stack and oh, learn and and yeah. build. Um, how much of that now is available more or less off the shelf? So you can really focus on the the true value add and in, in terms yeah. of uh, you know your overall solutions and algorithms and such. But uh, it's it's probably been the story of most of the uh, you know industrial IoT, if you will, companies that we've uh, we've invested in and at the early days. You had to do everything, everything full stack, right? Absolutely. And, uh, Yep. And and so if anything, now, you know, having those deep relationships, knowledge of the industry, knowledge of the people, systems and things, all of that now allows you hopefully to move much quicker on, uh, you know, uh, uh, what, cots, right? Common off the shelf uh, systems and components. So it's, uh, yeah. it's interesting. Well, Scott, look, thank you for this uh, long overdue and insightful interview <laughs> today.
1: Look, I really appreciate it. It was fun to chat. It's great to catch up. I remember that that first conference, Ken, they pinged me on LinkedIn LinkedIn, and I thought I was being catfished. And so I I went back to it like four times. I was like, is this really a a, a real thing? And and so I was like, okay, I'm gonna take a chance. I jumped on a plane and I ended up in California and, and that's where we met.
0: So yeah, yeah. Look, it's uh, that's, funny. that's how I guess you know uh, uh, relationships are built over time. You know, it's uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Ha- it seems like a little happenstantial at times, but I always kind of believe things are you know kind of meant to be and guided in that regard. But I must say that was one of the funnest conferences <laughs> uh, in in the early days of the uh, the industrial IoT. So, yes. well. This has been Scott Everett, co-founder and CEO of uh, Eigen Innovations and uh, bringing vision to industry, if I can tagline it that way. Thank you for listening, and please join us next week for the next episode of our Digital Industry Leadership Series. Take care and have a great day. You've been listening to the Momenta Digital Industry Leadership Podcast, produced by, for, and about digital industry leaders. We hope you've enjoyed the discussion. And as always, we welcome your comments and suggestions. Please check our website at Momenta.one for archived versions of podcasts and webinars, as well as resources to help with your digital industry journey. Thank you for listening.